Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. It's time to go on the mat. A presentation of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. It's brought to you by Rolling Ford in Shell Rock. Welcome to On the Mat. I am Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum, along with our very own Ronald McDonald, Doug Van Gelder. It happened again, Doug. Back-to-back week. See you this morning at the exact same spot going to get McDonald's. At least I'm assuming. I didn't bring it up before the show, but I have to assume McDonald's this morning. I should probably get some kind of... uh advertising role fee in this, shouldn't I? You should get a lot more than yes, that. Yes, I did. <laughs> Same sandwich? Yeah. Yeah. How are you not the official spokesman? I don't know. At least locally, I think it would work. It plays for me. I, I would actually I was thinking about, take my restriction off McDonald's and go maybe because of this I was guy. thinking about getting in touch with Robbie Smith and see if that's what makes him go. <laughs> Robbie Smith's the I man. I bet you he loves... Sausage egg McMuffins too. He's he's like you. He just loves life. Okay. That's the difference. Is that he embraces whatever is in front of him. I think that's how you guys roll. That's a good possibility. I mean, there, there's some ang- pretty much love life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some anger intermingled in there when the drain gets clogged or different things happen for you. I mean, things happen. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know if a guy like Scott Fensloff d- does he go to McDonald's? Are you a Mickey D's guy? I've, I've been. I've, I've done that. I've not not as much, you know, Obviously. lately. But not much. <laughs> yeah, late, I but, mean, you've had some health complications. Yeah, maybe. I've had to kind of watch what I eat these days. Yeah. But you know, maybe more pita pit. Something to that effect. Yeah. yeah. So have you got? I used to like Cokes. I don't see as many Cokes. No, I here. I gave. That's one. That's one thing that's uh, that's been changed in in everything. Is I have not had a drop of Coca Cola since I had my surgery and all of that. And is that it's the caffeine buzz thing, or got rid of that caffeine buzz. Yeah. I don't even drink coffee yeah, either. They're starting to tie that to a lot of different health problems. Yeah, caffeine. not not necessarily just the sugar. Oh, the caffeine. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Kind so, of, I mean, you feeling good? Are I'm you? feeling much better. Right. I'm feeling a lot better. So, Great. yep. That's good. Good news. That's what we like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> One big happy family. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but the sandwich was good. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll kind of end with that. I want to make sure you were uh, fully satisfied oh, I'm, with I'm your experience. I'm fully sated and ready to, you know, continue. Who we got for guests today? Well, two heavyweights. That's why it's perfect. I mean, not <laughs> super heavyweights. How, how does it get better than this? I well, mean, it doesn't. We got guests. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, we got Leroy Gardner. He was a 2003... NCAA champion for Warburg, and the reason he's on is because we're getting into Hall of Fame week where we tie in everything with our Glenn Brand Wrestling Hall sure. of Fame of Iowa. And Coming the, up in June, correct? Yep, June 11th for that, and then June 10th, our Dan Gable Celebrity Golf Tournament. So pretty much our guests are going to be in that line of thinking. We're going to promote those guys, talk to those guys, talk Arguably about how they Arguably the got best good. heavyweight that ever wrestled at UNI. J- Justin Greenlee? Yeah. It'd be here as brother, here as brother. I mean, Joel is certainly in the mix well, too. Had McCready in there somewhere too. But yeah, McCready. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, yeah it is you, kind of tough to kind of toss that out there blatantly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of think through who's been in that lineage. Could be McCready. 
Could be McCready. Boy, he used to hurt me. Yeah, I, I think. <laughs> he hurt me hard. Never meant to. <laughs> <laughs> I think he Jim Miller so would, would say McCready. He had so, his arms were so long, he could just, he had leverage everywhere. Yeah. But it's hard to argue with Justin based on credentials. Two-time finalist, placed yeah. eighth as a yeah. sophomore. Uh, I, I think if we ask Justin on the show, and Justin's going to be on the show today, uh, is a member of the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa, which is coming up, as we said, June 11th. I think he would probably say his brother, Joel. And I think a lot of people would say that because that guy was tough, and he was in a tough era, as was Justin. Yep. I mean, tough era for Justin when you have Kerry McCoy, who he beat, huge upset in 1995 in, say, tournament semifinals, and he runs into... Tolly Thompson in the finals. Both those guys were eventual world medalists. And so that shows you the type of athletic talent that was in the heavyweight division during that era. And then Joel Greenlee runs into uh, a tough guy from uh, Pitts of Johnstown who's, uh, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, and Carlton Hasselrig. So, I mean, you got some. But, I mean, and then, but McCready has to go against Chris Taylor. Well, McCready may have been. You know, his his best wrestling may have been out of college. True. You know, he was D2, I believe, wasn't he? McCready. McCready was, yeah. but then went to the D1s, as you could in that yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, what, 14-time national champion post-collegiate. So when you put in some of those credentials and think about those things that happen, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable career to have. So there's three heavyweights that you have to throw in the mix at Northern Iowa. Yeah. And... Uh, you could throw in Ken Osbo too, as far as that goes. Yeah, you could. There's some other. He was names. much gentler on me. <laughs> I kind of span the generations up there, you and I. You do. I did, but not, but not, uh, not enough to get uh, Joel Greenley or Justin. Oh Greenlee. no, no, no. They would have put a pounding on you, especially at that age. That would have been, that would have been brutal, Doug. That would have truly been your brutal ballet. You would have found out what it's like to dance. Yep. So, yeah, Leroy Gardner, uh, part of that 2003 NCAA championship team that is going into the Hall of Fame for Wartburg uh, coming up on July, or excuse me, June 11th, and then Justin Greenlee. So I don't know if we've ever had two super heavyweights on the program back-to-back. I mean, that's pretty rare. I can't think of a time we've had that, but it's going to be fun to, to get their account of how things We had Turvell on not too long ago, too, so... We've had Turvell on, and, and what's neat about this is our guest today, neither of them have been on the program. We've had Joel on, never had Leroy Gardner on the program, never had Justin. So it's uh, fresh voices that we get sure. to hear their stories, and I, I think that's always fun to have. So excited about that, and I, I hope you're hopeful. I, I don't know if I'm as hopeful on our final weight class at 143 pounds. Not, not that I don't think Frank Molinero can do it, I just think when you go to an overseas tournament, and, and of That's course this, this is weekend, quali- it, it is, and, and this is for qualifying that final Olympic weight class in freestyle. You got to reach the finals to do it, and as He's we had, have to put together a performance like you put together at the trials. Yeah, and as we had Richard Emmel on on last week, he, he made it pretty clear. I don't think there's going to be any back door getting in for uh, for not, any athlete. Not not now that things have been compressed to six weights. Yeah. It's going to be really difficult. So Frank Molinero is going to have to wrestle that start his best. Friday? I'd have to look for sure. Yeah, Friday or Saturday. Yeah, I, and I don't know the timing in and Turkey, the schedule. Yeah, correct, yeah. Turkey on all the schedule. What, what's your take? I mean, you saw Molinero at the Olympic well, I, trials. Well, you know, I, mean, I stated this a couple or last week, was it, two weeks ago, that we've got nine, nine to ten guys that are really good. But I don't think we have anybody that's outstanding in their weight class. You know, just at one forty-three or across the yeah, board. Yeah, well, no, I think at one forty-three. Okay. You know, when you've got uh, what was it, the one through four seeds all getting beaten the first round? Yeah. At the at the Olympic trials. Yeah. You've got good depth, but just doesn't cut it when you got to have the best. You know, to be able to place in the worlds is it's a tough task. Well, I mean that's that's a highly contested weight. It is a highly contested weight, and that makes it uh, you, you wanting a guy that would be dominant through that weight because it is that competitive that you'd like to see a guy like a Jordan Burroughs just flush that out 
and be the guy and own the weight class. The cream and, hasn't come to the top yet. No, and Metcalf was there for a while. I mean, he had a, a nice cycle of three years in a row, and then before that in 2011. But uh, <clears throat> my everything I hear is that uh, Brett Metcalf wants to go another Olympic cycle. Kyvin Gadsden wants to go another Olympic cycle. He does now. Yeah, that's well, my he, understanding. He kind of sat on the fence too long this last time, I think. I, I just think he was planning. I mean, this is the way I see how it transpired. He was planning on not competing at the Olympic trials immediately following college. Hey, I won my state title. It. I'm done. And then you think, ah, you know, the guy that won the world title, Kyle <laughs> Snyder. You know, I you pinned get him. out there, you probably missed the competition. Y- you do. That's and, fun, you know. But it's also your window of opportunity. You, you don't get these years back unless you're Chris Campbell and you come back and win a bronze at 37. But that's a, that's that's a pretty a, rare deal. That's pretty rare. And I just and I'm glad he's doing it. I'm glad Kyvin Gadsden's going another Olympic cycle. I well, think it's fantastic. he's young on international standards. Yeah, he's absolutely he's young. I mean, he has a, I think he has two cycles if he wants it. I think uh, he has eight years. I think he's 23, 24 years old. I think you just start, you can see some of these guys, they just start getting good. Bill Zadek won it at 33. So there's some uh, some guys that have shown they can All do it. All comes with experience. Yeah. And I think he was kind of lacking in the international end, wasn't he? He was. I mean, he went went to an overseas tournament, lost his first round match, and, and that's it. You're done. And then you go to the Olympic trials. But you saw him get better, and that's yes. what was neat. Is the U.S. Open, he got third place. That's after not even placing at the New York Athletic Club tournament. So he places at the U.S. Open, gets third. I thought he wrestled outstanding in his second match at the Olympic Trials. I think it was the best match he's ever wrestled, and he he dominated Scott Schiller. And then you run into Jake Varner, who's your defending Olympic champion, who's next to impossible to score on, just doesn't make a mistake. And I think uh, to have another cycle and and go through this series, I think it's going to be good for him. So I'm glad that we have... Kevin Gadsden giving it another shot, and I would think you are too. Oh, I am, absolutely. You know, I think he felt he let a lot of his fans down, but, you know, he's the only one feeling that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't on my end. I'm my glad end he, either. I'm glad he uh, gave it a shot. So, all that being said, we talk about depth in the weight class. Jordan Burroughs is clearly the cream of the crop for the United States. He's the guy carrying the torch has won four World and Olympic Championships. What a spokesman. What a spokesman. But but why hasn't it translated throughout the, the weight classes? I mean, why haven't other people say, hey, I want a piece of that? Because I know back in the day, Kevin Jackson has said this, if the Brands boys were winning, I'm winning. They weren't going to let those guys win without him winning. And it was that mentality that, hey, they're getting their piece of the pie, I'm getting it too, and it was very competitive that way. I don't know. Do you I, I see think, it that I, much? I think it all goes back to the year that he had off because of the injury. I think he had a chance to really pull his life together. I mean, he is so well balanced right now. Talking about as, the college injury, yeah, twenty ten. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You know, I think that that allowed him to really look and see and what's going on and how he needed if he was going to advance what it would take to get there. And most guys don't take that time. They just sit back and think if they keep grinding away and grinding away that they're going to get it done. doesn't always happen that way. And I think that's, I think that's what happened with Jordan Burroughs. He took that year off from competition. I know he was training and, you know, keeping in contact with the sport and everything. But he didn't, you know, I think he just reflected enough that he could understand what he needed to do to get to that next level. So you're exactly right. When we had him on two years ago, he, he articulated that message that you're saying right there, and that's was what he needed. Because he said that. He said and when he went into that year where he got injured and then he had to take the medical hardship, he kind of thought guys were just going to lay over for him because he was the man and the guy on top and it was going to be easier, and he found out that it was harder. And I think you're right. And it's the same as John Smith. You make the same comparison. Even though it wasn't an injury, John Smith placed second at the 1985 NSA tournament to Jim Jordan, took a redshirt year, and then he got good. So John Smith was self-imposed. Jordan Burroughs had to have it happen, but both have parallels, and both are making history right oh, now. Oh, there you go. Because of that, that one year off, and they got to just focus on what they needed to on the international scene and the college scene, and then they got good. And I think there's a lot to that. And I think that there's so many people that take away that time to learn and to grow and 
put more focus on the wins and losses than about competing and, and getting better and learning about the sport. Yeah, that's what I mean. You, it's just like any other sport. If you get into the grind of it and think that's how you're going to get to the top, and you haven't been to the top after this many tries, you've got to step back and see what's going on, what you have to do. And I don't think most people don't want to give that up. Yeah. Don't want to take that chance that they could lose it all. Do you feel like there's as much camaraderie between the six participants as a few years ago when you had uh, Dave Schultz in the mix and he was kind of the, the leader of the team? Do you feel like there's that well, much? I, I, you know, I never really reflected on that very much, Kyle. Yeah. I'm not going to just pull an ass right off the top of my head. I'd have to think about that, and I will. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not privy to a lot of information about that, so I don't know how I could really be a fair fair judge of it. Yeah. Team Foxcatcher came out on Netflix. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. I haven't it. had a chance to see it. Your son watched it twice. Yeah. And uh, that says a lot that yeah. uh, Seth would like it that much to, to watch back-to-back. I thought it was uh, very harrowing and realistic. It wasn't a lot of bells and whistles and overproduced. It was just here was Dave Schultz with some absolutely fantastic footage. And just to remind people, Dave Schultz was the 1984 Olympic champion who was slain and murdered by John DuPont in January of 1996. And there's been a lot of buzz about this because you had the movie Foxcatcher, you had the Prince of Pennsylvania, the 30 for 30 documentary on Mark Schultz and Dave Schultz, and then you have this new one called Team Foxcatcher on Netflix. So and you have focus three. focus Dave, correct? It's, it's all on Dave. Yep, completely. And I think that's Dave. what needed to be done. you got to separate those stories some. Yeah, and each you know, have a different angle. Get a full, yeah, if you want to get a full appreciation for Dave Schultz, I think this latest one probably is the best one, right? I think so. I think if you want to learn about Dave Schultz and who he was, this is the one. And the very last scene, the last minute of Team Foxcatcher, if it doesn't break you up and melt your heart, then you are not a human being. I mean, it's just a, a scene that will <laughs> be in your mind if you watch the, the documentary. So... I, I recommend everyone watches it. It's that uh, that good. Whether you know about wrestling or not, it's on Netflix. You can just watch it anytime. It's a streaming service, so make sure you uh, you check that out. And I hope you'll get a chance to watch it, Doug. Cause it's, you know I don't have Netflix, but I'll find some. I'll, I may go watch it the third time with Seth, right? Well, yeah. If, go over to your son's house and, and watch it. I think I think it's well worth your time to get over there. And another time to be with your son, Doug. Oh, yeah. What a, what a great thing for you. <laughs> it was fun last Friday. Yeah. Having Bo and Seth and you, my fourth son. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a good time. And then you could throw in uh, Scott as a brother. <laughs> my brother. Yeah, your brother. My brother. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, we just got a minute here. Don't be surprised if uh, you see a, uh, a Thompson at Wartburg transfer him from Iowa. That's all I'm going to say at 157 pounds. Warburg has a knack of doing this. I mean, it's it's incredible. They are just a, now kind of that school where they just get so many quality transfers coming into the program. From Iowa? Yeah. Logan Thompson should be at uh, Warburg next season at 157 pounds. So that's a, that's a big pickup for Warburg, and they just keep rolling. They just keep getting in depth and talent. Um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that's official, but what I'm saying is don't be surprised if you see Logan Thompson and a, uh, a Warburg singlet wrestling for uh, for the Knights. And it, it would be fun to just compile all of the, the Division People One. People have done that. Yeah, the, the Division One t- talent that has come through because they know they're going to get a quality product and they know they're going to be in a, a big-time program where people are passionate about it. And I think that speaks volumes for what uh, what Jim D- Miller did and what Eric Keller is doing with the program. But to take our first break. Leading into that, we have a, a Wartburg icon. He's in the Division Three Wrestling Hall of Fame. His name's Leroy Gardner. He's next on the mat, 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. We are back on the mat, 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. I'm Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum, along with Doug Van Gelder. This is the type of show that Doug likes because we have a super heavyweight edition of On the Mat today, our first guest. He's going to be part of the Hall of Fame induction for the 2003 Wartburg Wrestling Team. They sent the all-time point record 
166 and a half points, 10 All-Americans, three NCAA champions that season. One of those NCAA champions is on with us, Leroy Gardner, NCAA champion in 2003. Welcome to the show, Leroy. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, we got to figure a few things out here. I mean, you, you weren't even a state place winner in Minnesota, and you come to Wartburg and won a national championship. How does that happen? How do you get down here to, to Waverly, Iowa from Minnesota? Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, I had uh, grown up right outside Minneapolis in a suburb there and uh, went to Hopkins High School, which is not which is known for basketball. Um, and uh, they won a state championship as well. And Chris Humphreys is alum from there, but that's that's not the point. Um, so my high school coach had been a, a grad assistant on uh, with UNI back when Mil- when Coach Miller was, uh, we call Millboy, was uh, coaching there. And uh, – so as I was a senior, um, I started wrestling in 10th grade, so I was pretty raw, um, spent a lot of years playing basketball and football, but um, found wrestling as a 10th grader and just loved it. And um, so that's when I, I uh, you know, I went to state, got pinned twice, uh, did freestyle Greco all summer every year for those three seasons. But um, uh, after, after my senior high school season, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth and uh, had some unfinished business on the wrestling mat, and so I told my uh you know my high school coach coach price and said hey i think i want to wrestle in college i don't want to play football i had some some offers from some d2 schools to play football but um i i, I really felt like I, I still wanted something to prove something on the mat and um i spent all that summer uh working out with joel Sherritt, who was our state freestyle coach and at the time he was trying to pursue an olympic berth in that, that 2000 uh, time frame and uh, so i worked out with him everywhere he went I, he, he let me come and uh, all these camps that he did and all the training and so that really helped a lot and so then I went out to Fargo and uh, got fit up there in freestyle at 220 and um, I had already you know visited Wartburg and visited Augsburg and northern Iowa and Iowa and uh, Minnesota and my dad was actually a professor at Minnesota but you know I loved uh, what coach Miller had to say I liked the idea of uh, going to a smaller school and especially the tradition with Wartburg so that was what really sold me was uh, I went down there and he just, you know, he said, hey, I want you to compete for a national title your sophomore year. It didn't matter. I don't care what you did in high school or didn't do. And, you know, I joke now that he probably tells everybody that. But, <laughs> you know, I, I believed it. So, uh, so just to make sure we get there, so you got pinned twice your senior year at the state wrestling tournament? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, and then it's you got a rough weekend. It is hard to swallow. Yeah, it is. So And then you got fifth at uh, junior nationals just a, a few weeks later. Well, you know, like February in Minnesota, the state tournament is in February, and then like 26th, uh, not that, it was, I think it might have been the 23rd that year, but, and then, you know, Fargo in July, just sure. a month later. I mean, it all kind of came together, you know, I, I think, you know, I really committed to training, you know, in Minnesota, um, you know, when I came up, guys like Jay Clark, you know, we were all contemporaries, you know, and peers on that team, Minnesota Storm team, and um, so there were some guys doing real high, high-level things, and um, it's hard not to not to aspire to those things when you're on those teams. but And those guys all did, like, both styles. And I remember Joel telling me, you know, hey, if you want to win a national title at 220 and be my number one 220-pounder, you know, you can't be here half the time. And that that I just that made sense to me. So I just committed to freestyle that summer and just trained every time I could. And uh, I think a lot of things came together. You know, the experience at State, even though it was kind of painful, I think also, you know, contributed to that, being being a little, a little better, uh, you know, prepared to go into a big tournament and I've been at Fargo twice before so I've been around the way um the year before so that the 30 match wasn't intimidating finally you know if you've been there a couple times recently you're like man I'm tired of just showing up you know tired of just saying hey I came here so how how did Augsburg not get you I mean did they not recruit you heavy well um I think at the time or I I know at the time you know I visited there and coach Winston uh was a good you know real, real good guy um but um they had uh Ben Bauer who was who was like I think he was going into maybe his junior senior year, and so I would have you know I mean he was coming off winning a national title and you know I, I really felt like I wanted to try and uh, compete right away, um, and even though Coach Miller said hey, I want you to compete as a sophomore, I still was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be the guy now you know and so I remember I so I visited there and just didn't you know it was like I think they really liked their state champs and. You know, they. I think they at the time had recruited. You know, like I said, they were they were recruiting guys with state titles a lot, and um, I don't know. It just felt like a a better fit with Coach Miller, and you know, we had some guys that 
a lot of guys that that didn't weren't weren't the you know state champs for senior year or even you know kind of Fargo All American anything like that. But but they they come and just end up being successful. And I think for whatever reason at that point in my life, I I I, I bought I fit in. I felt like I fit in better in that in that environment. And um, I don't know if you know Coach Miller is uh, real you know real unique. He's always real intense and fired up. You know and that that motivated me, and I think uh, sometimes, although Swen says a different intensity, he's a little more um, quieter intensity. But um, I think uh, I think for whatever reason, uh, and I, I think getting away, out of town, getting away from Minneapolis, like I didn't I didn't really want to spend another you know four years around the Twin Cities. That didn't appeal to me much. Not you know nothing against it, but I was like, let me go see what this small town you know Iowa life is about. And you know I was big. Iowa fan like Gable back when Gable was on the team, you know, coaching those programs. And um, like I went to the Iowa camp when I was a sophomore in high school and did the intensive camp. And um, so for me, it was like once he stepped down, it was like the next best thing was I could I could get was let me go to Iowa and wrestle and I'll wrestle for the best team I can. And that, you know, that was Coach Miller, you know. So we are in the line with Leroy Gardner, 2003 NSA wrestling champion for Wartburg College, Wartburg. 2003 team will be inducted into the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa on Saturday, June 11th. Leroy Gardner is also going to play as a celebrity in our Dan Gable Celebrity Golf Tournament on Friday, June 10th. You're going to have an opportunity to come up here and see all of your teammates from that uh, that 2003 team, set the all-time point record, 10 All-Americans, three NSA champions. You are one of those NSA champions. When you look back on that team and you think about how historic that run was, what what are the the things that you remember about what made that team special? You know, I think when we came, especially that senior season, um, a lot of a lot of people forget that that a lot of those guys from that that team were the same guys from two thousand one, and you know we for for, for whatever re, that recruiting class coming in, you know, like I think we only had one state champ in that recruiting class, and uh, um, that was Joe Havick from Osage. But um, all the rest of us is a little bit like the Land of Misfit Toys, where, and I think that that's what I remember is everybody had this you know unique you know style and personality, but uh, Coach Coach Miller really got us to buy in, and especially like I said, most people don't remember this in 2001, um, we got six, and all of us had to live with that. You know that was the worst finish in 10 years, and so as sophomores being in the varsity lineup, probably seven of us, you know, it was, I mean that is still you know like I, anytime anyone brings up that that. 2003 season, I, t- I kind of can't help but think that the seeds of that w- were sown in 2001 when we lost, when we came in six in Waterloo, because everyone, no one really wanted to experience that ever again. And um, given the tradition of the program and the expectation, you know, we really felt felt down about that. And so it's good motivation. Um, and so as we came became seniors and had been through, you know, this was going on our third national tournament cycle. Um, you know, we kind of we kind of knew what we needed to do, and it was like. We all like a little bit workmanlike approach, you know. We knew we, what our jobs were, um, and and Coach Miller says, you know, worry about take care of your your match one at a time, and 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 let the let, let the team do their job too, and then everything will come together. You know, he never we didn't even talk about you know setting records or you know winning national a national championship. It was more you know you go wrestle your match and wrestle your tournament one one match at a time. And you know, trust that your guy, your teammates will do the same thing. And we all believed that and bought in and trusted each other, you know, because we'd been through the the room together for all those years and been through a lot of battles, you know, and and just knew that I could, up and down the lineup, you know, we were all fired up to watch each other wrestle. You know, if I go back through, you know, Rop and all those guys, like it was just we all knew that once the whistle blew, they were going to give 100. percent And so it's easy for me to just not worry about them and just focus on my my work at hand. And 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 then when we look up things went well you know people i remember i think that year especially by the time uh i think it was the we went in the semifinals i think we'd only lost two you know we put six guys in the semis but before that i think we had only lost two match two matches going into like the quarters and so it was kind of crazy when we looked up and, and realized that um or, or i can't even remember i think it was we maybe lost one match we didn't we didn't lose any matches the first like round or two and so we knew something unique was happening, but we kind of tried to downplay it and not focus on it, you know. And, and so that was—I think the coach did a good job having us all buy in and believe, and uh, you know, all the coaches. But um, I think we, we knew what we had to do and just kind of focused on it and didn't really—I didn't really know—we didn't really know what was happening. We didn't even know we were that far ahead until the semis. 
really. Who pushed you? Who pushed you in practice daily? Who, who got you good and got you to that point to be a national champion? You know, it was like a, it was a. Um, I mean, we had a, a kind of group of uh, folks. I mean, even and I look. So I'll, I'll, I can name some names, but you know, um, the you know, so Steve Walker, um, Matt Walker. Those are guys that, in our, and, and, you know, Coach Malachek, those were guys that and were, and especially the Walker brothers, like, they're kind of behind the scenes, and, and no one, they, they never were, you know, no one would ever interview them or something like that, but they were around the program and, and behind the scenes did a lot between, you know, helping out and helping, especially those years when I was like, we were like on JV and stuff like that coming up. And so they'd still get in there. And I remember Matt, he must have been 40 years old. You know, he'd come in and work out with me, and, you know, all they do is, hand fight real heavy and, and, and not stop. And that's it, you know, but he, you know, he'd never get a takedown on you, but you knew he wouldn't stop moving forward and trying to hand fight you. But, you know, it was all the, I mean, we wrestled 184, you know, it was like Alina was at 97, Jumacy, you know, and, and uh, Sonny at 84. So we, we'd all be in a group. And I think, I think Sonny didn't necessarily always appreciate rolling with us, but it all it helped us, helped us all be better. And so in the room, you know, between Malachek and Ortner, who at the time, you know, he was down coaching Waterloo Columbus, but when I was the first two years I was there, he was up there. And, uh, you know, we'd always, like I said, it was just a group, you know, and I remember Coach would put some the freshmen and, and sophomores and stuff like that, um, you know, to, like, rotate in on us and stuff like that. And I think um, one story that, that I remember in that kind of light is, uh, you know, we had, um, like, a 157-pounder, 165-pounder, um, and now I'm going to have to, um, I'm blanking on his name. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Hold on. Was he um, your, was he your starter? No, no, he was okay. a backup. Uh, Brandon Brissett, Brandon. And I apologize to Brandon for, because I, I should not, not remember his name, but, um, and we've talked up and, you know, as, as we've grown to adults, but, um, you know, I remember he would always be game, you know, I'd always try and do like 10 or 20 extra takedowns after we'd done all our practice, you know, sprints and pull-ups and everything. And I'd always grab them, and, uh, you know, we'd go takedowns. And I remember thinking, you know, he's like 165-pounder, but he never said no. And he'd always – and I'm talking about I'm drilling like double legs, you know, at at 260 pounds. And he never said no, and he'd always do it with me. And it was little things like that where um, I remember asking him after we won and everything had kind of settled, you know, we were back in the room. And I was like, hey, man, you know, I know, like, why I showed up every day. You know, like I was – in the hunt, I was going to be the guy, and you know he he was right there all the time, but never the guy. And I think it's kind of indicative of the team and the program. And I said, I think what you did is harder than what I did, because I know what I my brass ring. I knew what I was chasing. And he said, you know, I don't think of it that way. He's like, when you guys won, I would win too, you know. And um, and that was a really powerful thing for me as a a team member, and like and now you know as a coach, and you know I carried that through. It was like you know Coach Miller in that program. They didn't. It wasn't just about you know like the names that you're going to name off you know at the Hall of Fame. It was everybody contributed to that, and I think he made it a point uh, that everyone felt like that you know, and we all we all built built that together. So even though we've got these ten guys' names that are on the wall or whatever on the plaque going in, you know, all those guys contributed. So I think those are the examples of you know, excuse me, of the Steve and the Dick Walkers of the world um, that never will be interviewed by anybody that. Uh, helped a lot in the room doing whatever it was they could, you know, and like I said, Steve must have been, I mean, Matt, especially Matt must have been 40 plus years old and still battling, you know, with us as like, we were real hungry and, you know, I, I can't, now I'm, you know, older and I'm like, man, sometimes I don't know if I want, if I want to tangle with, uh, you know, whoever the best guy in the room is. But. Yeah. We're on the line with Leroy Gardner, 2003 NCAA wrestling champion for Warburg College. Wartburg is going into the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa on Saturday, June 11th. Wartburg, that 2003 team, 166 and a half points, still an all-time record for Division III. Outpaced Augsburg by 82 points of the 2003 Division III championships, and we're on the line again with Leroy Gardner. Uh, what are you up to? You're down in Texas. What uh, what took you down there? Yeah, um, we live down in um, just outside of Houston and Katy. Um, we've been down here since 2010. Um, I ended up, um, I was I was working overseas 
um, just a little bit after I finished uh, college and then uh, wanted to go back to grad school. And so I, I ended up uh, being on the coaching staff uh, of the Naval Academy uh, at the Naval Academy Prep School with Coach Burnett um, and Joel Chair at the time was the head assistant. And so I coached up at Navy Prep as, a, as an active duty member of the United States Navy um, as an officer and uh, did that for three years and then did grad school at the same time. So when I finished up there, um, I took a job down here with an energy company, and I was I was I've been working down here since then, and uh, I think we didn't we don't miss the winter, so yeah. <laughs> it's been nice. Um, you know, wrestling's different down here, but it's uh, nice to not have winter. So that's how we I'm coaching now, um, not as a full time job. I work as a project manager uh, for a web company right now, um, but um, I, I so co- I coach at the University of Houston downtown. It's an NCWA program. And uh, it's the second year of the program, and uh, so still getting my coaching feel there. And uh, yeah, we, we enjoy it. We got a 12 year old, and you know, my wife and I. So excited to be coming back to, to Waverly here in about a month. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm bringing my son, so we're, great. We're looking forward to it. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, we've been talking with Leroy Gardner. Make sure that uh, you get a chance to see him at the Dan Gable Celebrity Golf Tournament on Friday, June 10th, and then the 2003 Wartburg wrestling team that set the all-time point record and uh, still has that record, 10 All-Americans. One of those has been on the line with us, Leroy Gardner. Thank you for uh, for joining us on the show. Yeah, no problem. It's been great. I think uh, I can't vouch for the level of golf that I'll play at the at the tournament, but I'm excited to, to be a part of it and see everybody. Um, so I, I joked with my wife that I think this is probably the last of any uh, any any honors that'll come for work that we did like 15 years ago. Well, and uh, hey, there's a lot of people that uh, will say the same thing as you about uh, not being able to vouch for the golf they have. So uh, join the club. Yeah, join the club. But, hey, th- thanks for joining us. Yeah. We're excited to have you come up, uh, be here in uh, Waterloo and uh, in Waverly for a, a historic weekend for us. So uh, congratulations on this great honor. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be a part of it, um, and I'm proud of the, proud of the guys and. You know the program is just good to be uh, good to be a part of such a amazing history, and um, sometimes you don't realize the work you're doing at the time. You know, it's, I mean, I didn't imagine that that record would stand as long as it has. I think I used to text I text Millboy about every four years, every four seasons. It seems like saying, "Hey, are they going to beat it this year?" And, and if they do, I hope it, it should be Warburg. Yeah. <laughs> so. well. We've been talking with Leroy Gardner. We got another super heavyweight coming next. He's going into the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa. Justin Greenlee is next on the mat. 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. We are back on the mat. 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. I am Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Dan Gable Museum along with Doug Van Gelder. And Doug, our final guest provided one of the most heart-pounding moments of my wrestling life. Doug, you took me to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 1995 in Iowa City, and in the semifinals, I saw maybe one of the loudest ovations that I have ever seen during a wrestling match. It was Justin Greenlee, our guest today. Still that's a rolling thunder. It was. It was fantastic when he upset Kerry McCoy of Penn State, in the semifinals, and there was history in the line there too, because uh, Gable's streak was uh, was in jeopardy at the time, as far as the winning streak, and Kerry McCoy was possibly going to have that uh, that winning streak, and so everyone in the state applauded for this guy who's going into the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa on Saturday, June 11th. His name's Justin Greenlee, wrestler for Northern Iowa. He's on with us. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you. And do I have this right? Am I the heavyweight? I'm the closer. You're the closer. Oh man, that's. You get to close this That's out. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it, and I this really is appreciate that. this is old school. Have you ever days. done that yeah. before? Yeah. <laughs> this, oh, and if I could do it again, I'd do it in a second. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not a random draw here. I mean, we're not starting at fifty-seven and ending at forty-nine. We're this is perfect. We're ending with you. You know, we're going to start big with that moment. I mean, that that was absolutely huge. You won four to three over Kerry McCoy, a guy that you hadn't beat. Actually, you got beat by him in the the finals of the NCAA tournament the year before. Take us through that match and how you. Uh, Upset, uh, upset a, a big name wrestler that uh, that was expected to win. Well, uh, it's kind of funny. Recently, I I got asked to come give a talk uh, for a group of students uh, receiving scholarships at the veterinary college, and so I I used that story to kind of turn it around to uh, 
explain what's important about wrestling to me. So I guess I'll use the same cop out here that I did with them is it, it's not important exactly what happened in the match. What's important is that I lost in the finals the year before and had that time to think about improving myself and what's it going to take to win the next time around. And that when the time came, I had made a couple small improvements and, uh, and could do what it took to score that first takedown and stay ahead for the rest of the match. I mean, that's really the key. I mean, how many matches come down to that? You score the first takedown and you end up winning. Otherwise, other than that first flurry, I mean, it was a lot of back and forth and uh, plenty of attempts and plenty of fight, but not much scoring besides escapes from there on out. And then uh, in the finals, you uh, you go against Tolly Thompson. There was an article last year by Jim Nelson, the, the 20-year anniversary of that match. Uh, you guys grew up just uh, miles apart, which uh, for me I think is a, a great storyline. And talking to, to you and, and probably more Tolly, I, I don't think it's is a big of a deal to you guys. But can you understand our fascination why, with why that's so cool that uh, you guys might uh, wrestle in the finals and you grew up so close to each other? Yeah, uh, you know, it would maybe make a better story if we had had more competitive history through high school. I know some of the first freestyle tournaments I wrestled as maybe a 12, 13-year-old, that Tolly was there, and he was the same intense guy then that he he was later. And I remember uh, learning a lot about, hey, be ready on the whistle because a double leg is coming, right? (laughs) So we wrestled as kids, and then again as... Uh, college and senior level but throughout high school between being a mismatch in school size and a mismatch in weight a little bit we just never never met now a cool thing to think about is there were nights so often I would carpool with him and another Jamesville kid to go to the West Waterloo Wrestling Club that Marty Dickey ran and there would be days where it would be me and Tali and uh, Daryl Weber. Some of you have heard of him. Yeah. Uh, all in the all in the same room, the same night. That's pretty fun times to think about as a high schooler. Yeah, very fun times. On the line with uh, Justin Greenley, he's going into the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa on Saturday, June 11th. And when we think about Justin Greenley, of course, I think about your brother. Joel Greenlee, and he went to the Northern Iowa, was a runner-up in 1989 in the super heavyweight division. How influential was he in your journey in becoming the, the wrestler that you eventually became? Oh, man. Uh, tell you, there is a guy that loves the sport and will keep wrestling until he can't anymore. And uh, I think I'm really proud of the way he... Uh, makes an effort to help these young men realize what an opportunity wrestling in college is and how they can use that to make them a better person as they go on. You know, that it's not just wrestling and winning matches, but it's it's taken advantage of the whole the whole picture and what you do for this next four or five years can totally change the person you get to be for the rest of your life. So Besides just the technical stuff, just his attitude about hard work and making yourself better, that was a great influence on me. And definitely, right, he played a huge role in me deciding where to go to college. And I think uh, an excellent heavyweight coach, I wouldn't have done it any other way. So. And so really it was it was Northern Iowa or nothing. I mean, that was your choice, I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, there was no, going to be no other way other than to be a Panther. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. I, I feel a little programmed against seeing some other opportunities that were available as far as Iowa and Iowa State, um, that it's just after five years of, well, in our house, it was burning the Hawkeye gear and buying everything in purple, that those just weren't options to me. I did... Uh, visit and take reasonably seriously Nebraska and Northwestern and uh, those just didn't turn out to be a a fit for me and you know as far as being close to home and how important wrestling is to our family uh, you can't beat that parents 
never missed a home meet, and I, you know, we had to be in Russia or Cuba or something for them not to be there on the road. So uh, be, staying right there locally, that was absolutely important to, to us. And uh, there's a, another person with a, a name, Greenlee, that uh, has four letters, Joan Greenlee, your mom. Uh, <laughs> what a fire plug she is. Uh, it's fun to see her and know how uh, enthusiastic she was about your success. I, I would have to think through the entire journey and becoming successful in the sport that uh, she was probably your biggest supporter. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, there may be people listening that don't know my mother, but they know what my mother sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> They've heard her yell and whistle and uh, go, go, go at wrestling meets, and uh, she still does it, right? Uh, pick a side and shout encouragement. She's yep. still out there doing it. Uh, because of the way my family is right now, it's been several years since I've been to the NCAA tournament, but Joan does not miss it. Okay, but she's, I have to think she's an Ohio fan now, right? Cause yeah, she, you know, she wears Ohio gear. Okay, and, and yep. you just got recognized at uh, the University of Northern Iowa during a dome meet when Joel came into town and, and brought Ohio. Was that fun for you to, to be recognized in that way with having your brother's team there and then uh, a packed house to have Northern Iowa recognize you that way? Yeah, it was. It's been a long time uh, since since I feel like I've heard much from the UNI crowd. So so that really felt good. And to have a, a good excuse to be a little bit more a part of the meet than just sitting in the stands watching the two teams. And I just love the West Gym still. I mean, I know they probably could wrestle in the cloud or back in the day we tried the dome a little bit, but there's nothing like having the crowd right up at the edge of the mat and having a space that you will get it full with as many people who are who can fit in and it gets loud and it's hot and I'm glad it's the home turf in that <laughs> case because it's hard for uh, visiting teams to come in and perform in that. Talking with Justin Greenlee, he's going into the Glen Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa on Saturday, June 11th. Also a celebrity in the Dan Gable Celebrity Golf Tournament alongside his brother and that is Friday, June 10th in Waverly, Iowa at Prairie Links Golf and Event Center. And as we go back to the, the Tolly Thompson angle, you are a, a Waverly Shell Rock product. We have the golf tournament there, and we talked about your connection with Tolly Thompson, him being from Janesville, you guys wrestling in the finals in 95. But you guys have a connection now with your daughters. Explain that. <laughs> I, I see Tolly several times a year uh, where our daughters are playing. Uh, this year it's 15 and under volleyball. So they're both uh, pretty competitive good athletic players that are on good teams so uh we see them at the the top of a lot of a lot of tournaments so that's been uh a fun way to see people how, how awesome is that though that tolly never won a state tournament and his daughters go and do it i mean do you ever needle him <laughs> about that i you know <laughs> if i do that i better be i better be warmed up <laughs> it might turn into something uh so so you, you see him periodically still. I mean, I, I know that his oldest daughter is going to graduate here, but uh, is that something you guys will still see each other on the road? Yeah, I think we will for at least the next uh, two to three years. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Now, as we look to, to where you fit in with wrestling, I know you said you maybe felt a little disconnected with Northern Iowa there for a while, but you're getting back involved and getting recognized do you still like the sport? Do you still follow it a little bit? Is this still something part of uh, part of who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've never been a great sports fan. I think with every passing year, I'm 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 learning to follow it more and be a watcher. But I've definitely always loved being a doer. So I spent 15 years here in Ames as a volunteer coach at Iowa State, so guys like Trent Heenick and Scott Coleman and David Zabriskie, I'm going to take some credit for their uh, All-American rings and national titles. All right. Uh, and now, about mm, three years ago, four years ago, I decided it is really fun being 40 and wrestling with these young kids, and it's really fun to wrestle with these young guys and, and win. But it hurts for like a couple of days or maybe more. So I, uh, I've moved over to high school now, and so I'm a, 
I'm a volunteer assistant with the Ames High team. Working with Andy Feck? Absolutely. So people that... He's an old protege of mine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, people that uh, tuned in to hear about Wartburg, uh, Andy Feck is our head coach, also on the coaching staff, Carson Andorf, uh, who wrestled for Warburg, and uh, great group of guys. And, you know, I'm learning that it's uh, maybe even more satisfying to get one of the, get your hands on one of these young guys that has so much to learn and to see them not just get better at wrestling but build confidence and help them realize that they can do things they didn't know they could do. It's a... Uh, it's been really fun, and so I'm going to, of course, my son is a seventh grader. I'm going to stick with it for at least five more years, but uh, I'll do it longer if I can. It's, it's not what I do my day-to-day job, but to be to have your hands in wrestling somehow and to uh, help make a little bit of a difference sure feels good. We're on the line with Justin Greenlee, going to be going into the 2016 Glenn Brand Wrestling Hall of Fame of Iowa on Saturday, June 11th, and talk about that honor it's a, it's a huge deal for us to, uh, to be able to induct you. Uh, just thoughts on going into the Hall of Fame? Oh, man, in a word, grateful. Uh, I'm right. I, I spent whew, 21 years now since my big moment kind of uh, at a point I was still competing in wrestling, and I had to choose. Uh, it was becoming increasingly challenging to pursue uh, my goals, to become a veterinarian and keep in wrestling, and I had to give that up. But I've been just quietly participating ever since and really assumed people had mostly forgotten about me. So so I'm grateful that people do remember me and appreciate the contribution that I made. And, uh, man, to be recognized like this, it's just unbelievable. We've been talking with Justin Greenlee, master of the cradle. Remember you put the cradle on Billy Pierce and uh, in the West Gym and turning him over that was no easy task but uh, certainly from uh, from Doug and I's perspective a lot of great memories and uh, really excited to have you come up to your hometown and play in the in the golf tournament and then be inducted into the Hall of Fame the following day. I am excited too. Uh, really appreciate people thinking about me. All right, uh, we've been talking with Justin Greenlee, former Northern Iowa two-time finalist going into the Hall of Fame. Doug, fun to uh, to catch up with him and then. Leroy Gardner had never had a chance to talk to either of these guys on uh, on the radio. So fun and to, one heavy show today. It has been a heavy <laughs> right show. On. It's been fun. So for Doug Van Gelder, Leroy Gardner, and Justin Greenlee, I'm Kyle Klingman. You've been listening to On the Mat on 1650 The Fan, KCNZ. You've been listening to On the Mat, a presentation of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum, and brought to you by Rolling Ford in Shell. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.